Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Our guest this week has had quite an extraordinary life. After growing up inside the Detroit Pistons organization, he moved to Alaska to pursue a passion for hard work and his own music. He's done both, including lumberjacking and completing a six-year world tour. His new album will be out in September on Blue Arrow Records called Come Down Lonesome. And in the words of Bob Cratchit, It's a triumph! Mixing folk and blues with noise rock and feedback. Follow Ethan on Facebook or at EthanDanielDavidson.com for news. Or check him out on Blue Arrow Records. Follow us at Performance ANX and subscribe, rate, and review. Check us out and a host of other great shows on the Pantheon Podcasts, including some really cool shows like Long May You Young, where hosts Mike Shu and the Condon Boys review every Neil Young album, chronologically and hilariously. Now hold on to your hats because this is a wild one with Ethan Daniel Davidson on Performance Anxiety on Pantheon Podcast Network. Sure, sure, sure. So I'm Ethan Daniel Davidson and I'm here on Performance Anxiety with Performance Anxiety, although not so anxious at the moment, getting pretty relaxed now. And um, the new record is called Come Down Lonesome. Thanks. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. yeah. I don't get to do too many podcasts outdoors. <laughs> no, I suppose not. It's hard to move the studio uh outdoors, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh well, are good? Yeah, it's, I appreciate you you coming on and, and doing this. Thank you so much. Not at all, not at all. So this is it's pleasure. Been yeah. a strange life. Yeah, very interesting <laughs> life. That's for sure. Right. Um, I did get a chance to listen to the the latest album, which we will get into. But I want to find out a little bit more about how you got to the latest album, and um, I guess that all kind of starts with growing up. You know, uh, yeah. Was your family a musical family? Was there a lot of music in the household? Not particularly, actually. I guess my grandmother played uh, some mandolin, but not really um, at all by the time that I came along. She was pretty elderly by then. Okay. I do have her mandolin. It's like a 1914 uh, Gibson. Oh, wow. Style. And, um, and still in pretty good shape. But no, we didn't, really, we didn't really have it in the house too much. I mean, 
we had some records. Oh wow, <laughs> jeez. Well, your family was more of a sports family. Sports family for sure. Sports and uh, sports and glass. <laughs> <laughs> and th- that's kind of wild because your your dad was huge in industry and ended up buying the the Detroit Pistons. How did? Yeah. How did how did you get into music with those with all that in the background? Well, you know, I um, I was at um, public high school back in the eighties. You know, just the local high school where uh, town where I lived, and um, you know, we were I guess pretty lucky in that uh, out there in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. You know, they had jazz band and orchestra and that kind of thing, but they also had like rock. Okay. And keep in mind, this is like the 80s. So this wasn't like, I don't know how many schools have these things now. I guess they cut music program together, like a rock and roll band. And it was headed by an English teacher. Wow. And um, he, you know, he was really interested in old uh, R&B and and old blues records and all that kind of stuff. Oh, cool. Uh, Old soul records. And he approached me one one day and he said, you know, he said, I know you're kind of into music and you don't really do any of your schoolwork, but I'll make a deal with you. If you focus on your, on your schoolwork, I'll teach you how to play, you know, all those old, uh, R and B records and all those old soul records. So wow. I, I said, yeah, why not? So I played in a, in a rock band, a high school rock band for two years. And, um, because of that, I, you know, I really credit him for helping me get into college, but also, uh, to music. I don't know if, like, if one of those is good or one of those is bad, but that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's... Stay out of college, kids, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so basically you started off with guitar then. Yeah, yeah. Started out with guitar and then, and bass as well. But, um, you know, and then I, I was a bass player for hire for a number of years and then sort of later on became a singer songwriter, I guess they call it anti folk. I became an anti folk singer ah. originally. <laughs> but yeah. all, all the old blues and soul record, that was that was what, what interested you from the beginning then. Yeah, I, I always liked that stuff. I liked I liked all the old R and B stuff and um and all the old blues records, you know, especially like the old primitive blues records, the old recordings and that stuff really caught my attention pretty early on. I mean, I'd been like a punk, um, you know, like a punk music guy, I guess, in the 80s. Okay. But, uh, but, you know, the stuff that really kind of hit me, the stuff that really kind of grabbed my heart, I guess, was uh, was all that, the old R&B stuff, but really all, all those old blues records and later on all the old country records as well. Okay. Okay. So you, you're into like like the old, old Capricorn record, like Edmore James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's where it is, you know. Oh. Well, listen. This 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 um this English teacher. His name was Bill Christman. He's still around. I'm still in touch with him. Oh, cool. You know, he was from he was from Missouri. He'd grown up in Missouri in the '60s, down near the Mississippi River. So he, you know, he that was like in the water for him. That's, yeah. I think that's why. You know, he came by it pretty honestly, and that was, that was, you know, all the music that he knew. Oh man! If yeah. well, since you like that stuff, I'll, I'll give you a quick story. Um, sure. My wife and I, my my wife was born and raised in Alabama, 
Yeah. And I grew up up and down the East Coast. I was born in Texas, lived in New Jersey, Virginia. And I'm in Virginia again right now, but moved to Alabama for a decade or so. And and uh, my wife's mother worked with this lady. Her name was uh, Jackie. I, we, she was just Miss Jackie to everybody. Right. And she was the sweetest, sweetest lady. And we were talking and she knew I liked music a lot. And she said, you know, my, my dad used to play the blues a lot. I'm like, oh, okay. So I started talking to her she's, about some old blues music. And she's like, you know, he recorded some stuff. Like, I want, she's yeah. like, I wonder if you can find it. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll look around for it because this, this was early 2000s. So it was, sure. you know, the internet was still kind of in its infancy, but it was still a cool place to go browsing and, and, and hunting right. stuff right. down. So I said, yeah, I'll look, what's his name? She said, well, his real name was James Fountie. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, okay. I said, but that, he didn't record under that name. He, he recorded under the name uh, Dan Pickett. Wow. So okay. I said, okay. And I looked, and I found an entire album's worth of stuff. They had coll- some, yeah. some yeah. Uh, I think it was a collectible music or something, had rounded up an entire album's worth of, of recordings that he had done and released it. Wow. Polished, a second accident too. The next thing that's gonna happen, it's gonna happen to you then no more. Roger up in it, baby on a V. She thinks you are, so baby, but you just don't know. Six white horse, a hole you to dream. I'll meet today at a big one, drop some dirt in your feet. Then I'm a Roger up in So I found it and I, I, I bought two copies, bought one for myself and I gave her one and. and it, it's just it was crazy she said he wasn't around much he was always out playing in in, in uh yeah yeah in, in the in the uh, juke joints and stuff so right 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 so if, if you like that stuff <laughs> look look for dan pickett uh the album's called, yeah the album's called country blues that sounds good but uh yeah. so all right so that that's awesome because that's that's the kind of st- stuff that i really kind of went to i started off listening to all all the typical stuff that a teenager in the you know, late eighties, early nineties ended up listening yeah. to and Led Zeppelin and, and all that and ended up wanting to go back to find out where they got their inspirations. And I, that's where what got me into Elmore James and right. Right. and uh, you know, Robert Johnson and and Howlin' Wolf and all that stuff. So okay. so I I love that stuff. Otis Rush is one of my favorites. That's the music right there. Oh yeah. So <laughs> so this is really cool to be talking to somebody else who's who's just as into yeah. that stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, so at what point did you decide, well, this is the, this is what I want to do. I want to be a musician and I don't want to, I'm not going, I'm not going to go work for the Pistons. I'm not going to yeah. go work for, for any of the industrial companies. I'm, I, I want to sure. be a musician. Well, I've been like, you know, I guess in, when I was in college, I was always kind of playing in some bands, you know, and I was working for the Pistons, you know, on and off and, you know, we we had an arena at that time that I was working at and off, and I was a stagehand for bands, different bands. And, oh, cool! And yeah, and, and and you know, at the arena there, I was doing that. Yeah. And, and then you know, I was on and off touring as a bass player for hire with different bands. No, nobody that ever got famous. And um, and then you know, when I graduated college, to make a long story short, I, you know, quit all that. I went off and like 
you know, this is my time to go on an adventure. I went to Alaska and I lived up there for a little while Man. and I was, you know, cutting trees. I was a lumberjack and, and wow. I would, you know, I had a little guitar with me and I'd play these songs and the people in this small village were like, you know, you should uh, go off and be a singer songwriter. I don't know. They might, maybe they were trying to get rid of me. Sure. <laughs> but, um, they're like, you know, you should go, go, you know, you should go play at places. So, so I thought, you know, maybe that's not a bad idea. So, you know, I told my dad, I said, I'm not coming back to work for the Pistons. I'm going to give this music thing one last shot. And um, actually, he had gotten involved at that point with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And he said, well, I really want you to move to Tampa Bay. I said, no, I'm, I said, I'm going to try this music thing for a year. Okay. And he wasn't too happy about that, but, um, <laughs> but in the end he was like, okay, fine. You know, do, do your thing. Right. And, um, and then I ended up on this, um, six year tour as a singer songwriter that took me all over the world. But that's, that's how it really happened where, you know, it was just living up there in Alaska and they, you know, and I thought, why the hell not? I mean, other people can do it. You know, why, why can't I do it? But not everybody yeah. chooses Alaska. What made you pick Alaska? Well, I went there on a, I went there on a camping trip with some buddies. Um, originally, we just were going to canoe this river up in the Arctic, and oh, wow. you know, for like a week. And uh, anyway, we we while we were out there in a national park called Gates of the Arctic National Park, we uh, met this lost backpacker, oh. and uh, <laughs> and I like to say that we saved his life because he he hadn't seen anybody for a week, and he uh, oh hadn't eaten in four days. And he was totally lost. And, and so he, we had to get him to this town. And as a result, I ended up with a, an abandoned cabin in this small Alaskan town. So, um, so I stayed, right. Everybody else went home, but I'm like, I'm staying in Alaska. Wow. (laughs) I still own the cabin. I still, I still have the cabin, but, um, I haven't been there. And at this point, I haven't been there in years, but, uh, but I used to go there quite a bit, and I spent a couple winters there, and you know that was it was uh it was like living living 150 years in the past. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> I think I heard it. Was that Ro- the Roland story? Yeah, Roland. Roland was that guy's name. Man, have, yeah, he's, have, he's still he, around. He is okay. I was going to ask yeah. if you've ever heard from him again. Oh yeah, we we found each other years later. He was like, he wrote me. Um, after years and years, he wrote me and said, I found one of your records in the cutout bin here in Germany, in the used record bin in Germany. And, uh, and you tell the funny stories about me being lost in Alaska. So I, so I said, well, I'm sorry, are you, are you upset about it? And he's like, no, I think it's great. I think it's funny. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, that is crazy. Yeah. All right, and so what, what time what time frame was this? That I I went to Alaska in um, like ninety six ninety seven okay nineteen ninety six ninety seven, and and then I was there on and off for the next couple of years. I started I started the like round the world six year tour in um, nineteen ninety nine, okay, and and that was through the end of two thousand five, and it was it was like one hundred and fifty shows a year. And, um, wow. it was, it was amazing, you know, it was Jeez. amazing. And it's, I'll say this, like your, cause your, your show is called uh, performance anxiety. And the funny thing is I never had stage fright, uh, until I stopped, uh, touring. 
And oh, after really? that six year tour, when I, um, you know, it's, it's, you get, when you're living that way where you're just totally on the job, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for six straight years, you know, living in your van. Um, and then you leave that lifestyle, you know, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty like, it's like whiplash. Right. And, um, and then I, I started to get, let's say, you know, performance anxiety, stage fright, whatever you want to call it when I would pick up a guitar, but it was only after playing, you know, literally like thousands of shows. Wow. And then I couldn't touch a guitar for like three or four years and finally got back into it, which led to these more recent albums. So was this, this six year tour, was that planned from the start or did you just say, I'm going out on the road and when I'm done, I'm done. I, yeah, it was like when I, yeah, it was kind of that. I mean, I had, you know, from having been a bass player for hire before that, um, I knew clubs in certain parts of the country and, you know, I knew people around and I said, Hey, I'm doing, you know, this thing now I'm just playing under my own name, you know, can I come play? And so I started to, to do it that way. And then the, then the trick was just to like link those different parts of the country up. But, um, yeah, after a while I, you know, it was kind of a circuit and it was just became kind of self perpetuating. But, you know, at some point I'd say like a good four years into it, I I was pretty, uh, I was getting pretty exhausted But by then it was like, but by then it was sort of rolling on its own. So it was like hard to, you know, I couldn't just, it was hard to leave. Right. And, um, but at some point I was talking to my dad and he said he was thinking about, um, leaving all his money to charity. You know, he, 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 uh, you know, he was a self-made guy, built built his own businesses and, he was planning for the future and he said he wanted to give it all away. And, and would I come back to Detroit and uh, do that? I said, I said, I'll come back as soon as I, uh, I said, I'm not, I won't book any more gigs. As soon as I'm done with what I'm committed to, I'll come back. So that was, wow. So I ended up back, uh, I ended up back in Detroit after all that. Oh man. <laughs> Which I, I swore I would never do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the case sometimes. I've, I've, I've talked yeah. to a few people that I'm never going to do that. And I mean, you know, it's happened to me a few times, to be honest with you. But right, right. right. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I know. It's like don't say what you'll never do. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ne- never, <laughs> never say never. And I think that's a Bond movie. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, how, right. so, so how, when did the free the Ethan Daniel Davidson five happen? That was at the end of the. Um, that was at that was the last album that came out uh, during that six year tour. Okay. Period. Because that. And that was the last group of guys that I was sort of playing with on the road. Okay, because that seemed a little heavier than the other stuff that you put yeah. out prior to that. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, you know, I wanted to make uh, a record with the guys that I'd been playing with rather than just make a, like an Ethan record, either solo or with a backing band. I thought yeah. it'll be good to do something with a band. And so that's what, that's that was the record we made. It's funny because, you know, I haven't listened to it in so long and I, and I don't know like how I would feel about it now. Although, you know, some of the songs on it, I'll still play for myself, like, you know, on guitar, but it's, uh, but yeah, that was, that was, that was sort of the end of that whole tour thing. Did the whole tour start off with just you solo and acoustic and then become the the first three years, uh, was just me by myself in a van. And that was, a that was a, you know, that's 
if you ever get a chance to live completely alone <laughs> for three years in a van, <laughs> that's uh, that's that's an experience not to miss. I, oh my god! <laughs> or maybe, or maybe to really miss. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I put that to my wife, I'm sure she's like, you, "You're going to have to miss that one." Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. No, it was it was it was strange because you know what I what I used to liken it to was, um, you know, cause I lived in different places before that, uh, you know, Detroit and, and San Francisco and, and Chicago, what Alaska, what have you. And, um, and you know, you have, you have friends in these places, right? You right. develop, you live, you live somewhere long enough, you develop relationships and your friends. But then when you, you know, when you don't live anywhere anymore, like truly don't live anywhere. I'm not, I mean, I'm not even talking about living, permanently under a bridge i'm talking about like moving every day for years um you don't you end up like you know what i what i likened it to was living like a ghost because you know you come in and out of town and you sort of know people in every town after a while but you don't know anybody really that well and the people back home in whatever town you lived in they're, they become used to not having you around and they sort of move on with their lives and yeah. you know, you're not really a part of it anymore. So it's, it's, um, it's probably as close, as close an experience as you can have to like actually being a ghost. Wow. That, wow. I didn't even thought of it like that. Jeez. Yeah. It's different with a band. You know, when I did the three years with a band, you know, you're with a bunch of guys and you've got each other, but when you're three years, you know, on your own in a van, um, that's uh you gotta get pretty you gotta get pretty comfortable with your demons pretty quickly <laughs> I bet wow did that have an effect on on the types of music you were writing yeah yeah i think it i think it did you know because i mean i'm not i think socially i'm not really uh, that dark of a guy right but what comes out in the music especially uh, after that um is a lot of like you know kind of dark characters so they're they're in there somewhere in me but i it's not something that I sort of wrestle with on a day-to-day basis in my, in my social life, you know, but, um, but it definitely, you know, there's some stuff that comes to the surface when you're, when you're alone all the time. Oh yeah. Uh, You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm never alone. And and it's, yeah, and I never, (laughs) and it's, and it's still, you know, I mean, you, that always has, I think living that way always has, you know, it's been, whatever it's been 15 years but it always has an effect on afterwards i think oh yeah i can imagine i mean i i had the exact opposite i've got i'm married with three kids and they're all teenagers mm. so uh, yeah every teenagers. yeah yeah i've yeah. got I've, uh let's see mine are almost teenagers mine are almost teenagers oh i've got a 15 <laughs> 16 and 17 year old no kidding That's yeah two girls and a boy right in the middle Wow! And oh, it's crazy. Someone's always, and they all play uh, music. They're all in the uh, high school band, marching band. So they're all brass. I got a trumpet, a tuba, and a French horn. So my house is noisy house. Oh, it's noisy. (laughs) It's just a cacophony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Between them practicing their instruments and playing the music that they like, it's just nonstop noise. It drives my wife insane. Sure. I tend to tune it out a bit. I, I, for some reason, I've got that. That my my daughter's doing, she's walking over here dancing to her music right now. But <laughs> I've got that. I've got something where I can just kind of block it out and not pay attention. I, sure, sure. 
sir. And you have it, to. Yeah, exactly. But she doesn't have that. <laughs> My wife just, <laughs> just drives her nuts. <laughs> so so I, I've got the exact opposite where I'm there's there's no way I'm going to be alone. I've, the only time I'm alone is in the bathroom. Yeah, no, I hear you right. Exactly. <laughs> and, well, no, that's look when you get married, you know. And I got married, you know. We just had our thirteenth uh, wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations! And, uh, thank you. Yeah, just a week ago. Oh, awesome! And, and, um, yeah, thanks. And yeah, I took my wife uh, for a walk in the woods behind our house here, and I uh, said, so "I want to show you something." We go back in the woods, and there's a mariachi band way back there. <laughs> mariachi band in the woods. And like, Happy anniversary! So <laughs> that's awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Art is coming up in October. I'm going to have to think of something like that. That's good. That's awesome. Right. Yeah, if, if we can go outside again, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know. We'll have to see. Things are loosening up around here, but yeah, right. it's a little, but you know, it's tough, but you do what you can. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. So you took a break for a few years in around 2005, and yeah. so what were you doing between 2005 and I think the, the first, the next album came out in 2012? Yeah, that sounds about right. I think, yeah, that's right. Um, well, I came back to Detroit and, you know, my father, you know, because he was going to, you know, do this, this uh, charity, you know, yeah. and this family foundation. And I got back here and, and I said, okay, so what do we do? And he's like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fund it until after I die. So how about you work for the Pistons? <laughs> yeah. so, that sounds a little sneaky. Yeah. It was, it was the old, uh, it, you know, <laughs> it was like the three card Monty. Yeah. On all and, uh, the old bait and switch there, you yeah. know, real, real nice. And, um, no, but it was cool. So, you know, I, I ended up back working for the Pistons for just a little while. And then I was like, well, you know, I, uh, I'm not going to go back to music right now. I, I discovered all of a sudden that I had stage fright, as I, as I mentioned. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, and I'm not that excited about working for Pistons. And anyway, my father's going to, you know, hopefully live for a long time. It turns out that he didn't. Oh. But I said, okay, what else do I want to do? And I said, well, you know, I, I always wanted to study uh, Middle Eastern politics and that sort of thing. So I went, I went back to grad school and was studying Islamic law at uh, oh, wow. the University of Michigan. Yeah. And then in the middle of that, unfortunately my father passed away and then the, the, um, you know, dealing with all his charity stuff became like a real job. So yeah, I quit, quit grad school, started helping with that. And, but I was always, you know, sort of writing songs here and there and, but I, I was afraid to play them. You know, I had, I had all this anxiety. And my wife and Warren DeFever from His Name is Alive, um, you know, said, we're going to put together a little, you know, recording session. No big deal. Just come in and, and you know, let's see what happens. So that cool. ended up being that Spurtooth record that came out in 2012. Well, hang me, oh, hang me, I'll be dead and gone. Wouldn't mind the hanging birds, the lane and the grave so long Well, the days when we were wild and free All the things I thought we'd be Honey, that's a long time gone Your deck of 51 with the jacks all torn apart And then since then we've made a few more, and I'm pretty happy with 
these last bunch of records because I don't really take it all in. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there's no pressure. It's not that I don't take it seriously. I take it very seriously. I'm serious about the songs. Yeah. I want them to, I want the product, product to be good. I want it to, you know, and, and it's not, I don't mean product like that, but I just, what comes out. The I end result. The end result. I want it to be good. Yeah. And um, so I take it seriously, but on the other hand, I don't really, you know, I'm not trying to be in the music business, you know, right, whatever right. happens, it happens. Somebody comes and says, we want to put a song in a film. Yeah, that's cool. Fine. Yeah. You know, you um, know it, it's funny. I There's a couple parallels here because uh, along with the blues, uh, when I went off to college, I went to I went to uh, Rochester Institute of Technology for photography. Oh, nice. yeah. yeah, yeah, and I was able to be a, I was a photographer for a good ten, twelve years until we started yeah. having you know having kids, yeah. and uh, all our health insurance was through my wife's job. At yeah, she's like, yeah. I want to stay home with the kids. Okay, that's great. And then yeah. I hit, oh wait, that means I gotta get a real go job. <laughs> right. Okay, no problem. Right. Okay, no problem. So so I did that up and up until. Recently, I, I just kind of put the photography down and just, you know, took pictures of the kids and occasionally did something a little, you know, funky on the side, yeah. but, you know, nothing for any any publication. It was all just for me. Yeah. And then I had a weird a, a weird coincidence happen. Um, I was friends with a, a couple people on Facebook, some bands that I, I would follow back in the 90s that I loved. I would, sure. I would follow them on on Facebook. You know, some of the guys in the bands just to see what they're doing because the bands themselves weren't actually active. Yeah, yeah. So I I kind of started chatting with some of these guys, and one was a guy named Kelly Scott from Failure, mm-hmm. and they reunited in 2014, and then they started touring again. So their last yeah. tour, they they came to DC, and I'm like, you know what? I, I had just recently got a new camera body and I'm like, you know what? Like, Hey Kelly, how about, how about toss me a media pass? Right. Hang, right. You know, I, cause I, we would talk a lot, but I never actually met him in person. And, uh, sure. so he's like, sure. yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll shoot you one. Just come on down. Uh, we'll meet before the show. And all. I'm like, yeah, sure. awesome. And from that, I started shooting a lot of live music events up until recently for yeah. a couple of, of local DC blogs and all. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, Kind of like you. It's it, now it's it's something that I love doing again because I don't have the pressure of having to right. make a living right. at it. Exactly, exactly. Oh yeah, I know. I mean, I can one hundred percent relate to that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. That's kind of funny. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, no, exactly. I don't get usually get guests I can relate to. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Well, we should do it more often. Then. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Now, you said you were writing songs this whole, from yeah, I guess most here of and the there. Time. I mean, here and there. I mean, it was kind of, you know, it was made. The songs for me, they always kind of, they can come in bunches and then have a, like a big dry spell. Okay. And you know, I never know. I don't know. I I don't know how it works really, to tell you the truth. And um. But so every once in a while in that period, there'd be like something would pop out and I got to like write this down. And um, and so I had a handful of things that um, uh, I had ready to record for that Silvertooth record. And then there were a couple on there that were just like, you know, uh, we made up like right in the 
in the studio. Okay. And, um, or, you know, I wrote while I was sitting on the couch in the studio or something. And, um, and I think it all, you know, it all came up pretty well. I mean, that's a, that's a record that I still enjoy. And I don't, I don't spend, you know, a lot of time listening to my own records. It's like, I don't spend a lot of time looking at myself in the mirror either. But, uh, <laughs> but it's like, uh, you know, it's a little, it's weird, right? I mean, uh, yeah. but, I, uh, <laughs> but I think that that record is, um, you know, that, that's the, I think just because of the, you know, no, I wasn't trying to do anything, you know, just trying to make a record. That's all. Oh, yeah. So you had no expectations, really. I had so. no expectations. Exactly. So you just free and you just kind of did what you want. Yeah. Just did what I wanted to do. Well, I was you know? listening to a and lot. And who cares of... if they don't like it? Who cares yeah. if they don't like it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, yeah. You're, you're not trying to, to live off of what you make off that album. So Yeah. I'm lucky. I'm lucky that way for sure. And I went back and I started listening to the old albums recently because yeah. I like to do research on people when I talk to them sure, and sure. Uh, find out some things so I know what to ask. And I, man, I'll tell you that the albums are awesome. Silver, oh, weird train wreck run on time. I love that track. Your tricks out of Roseburg on those maps you never read. Like the time you stole his trophies, lost them among the weeds. Leave your tears for the night to come. Uh, thank, you, thank you, thank you. Till the light comes shining in, Delilah versus Samson. They're really cool tracks, and they're. It's not all like folksy Americana kind of stuff. Some of it's right. R and B and soul mixed into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really cool. Now, when you're writing, let's say something like Samson, ver Samson uh, versus Delilah versus Samson, I'm getting it backwards. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Do you, now, yeah. it, it, does that start I had off? To put Delilah in the. I had to put Delilah in the. Well, she was always in the power position anyway. But yeah. I wanted to make it clear she was. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. Now, <laughs> when you're writing that kind of stuff, is it? Do you have it in mind that that I'm all right, I'm going to add horns to this, and uh, it's going to be more of a soul R&B kind of sound, or, or is it just progress that way as you're writing it? Um, well, I think you know, I had I had always wanted to do something with with horn. You know, I hadn't ever worked with horn players actually since I was in the high school rock band where we had a horn section. Oh, okay. Um, but, you know, as like doing my own thing, I had just never done that. And I always, you know, I was, was like, that would be cool. You know, that'd be amazing. But, you know, of course, when I was touring all the time, um, you know, I didn't have room for all of those kind of guys. And, yeah. And uh, but, you know, when I started working on Silvertooth and Draw Nye, I thought, well, this is a perfect time to, you know, to try some of that. So, you know, I asked Warren, find me a couple of horn players and um you know so we had uh trumpet trombone and saxophone and and baritone sax and um it was cool i mean that's like uh you know that's like a whole different language once you get those guys involved especially when oh, yeah. when they're in there as a section and then you know then want to try to to like okay well if i got these guys what can i what kind of thing can i write that is 
a little outside of, or maybe, you know, very much outside of what I'd done before. Cause you know, you don't want to keep writing the same song over and over again. Yeah. So, you know, I go back to some of those old records that's either, either, um, you know, old R and B records, or I think in the case of, uh, of Delilah versus Samson, it was like, you know, even trying to get some like, uh, you know, almost kind of show tune or musical theater kind of changes, stuff that I'd never, you know, stuff that I obviously I had listened to and was familiar with, but not stuff that I had ever used in my own songwriting. It's like, okay, what sort of things can I, can I rip off that I've never ripped off before? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what it is, you know. Uh, I think a lot of music. Nobody borrows like from me. They don't listen to my records. Yeah. But I, borrow, <laughs> I borrow from them. <laughs> well, your rec- your records are really interesting in the fact that you you use a couple of things that that don't get used a lot in in a lot of new records, horns and biblical yeah. references. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I uh, I grew up um, I grew up going to a uh, religious uh, Jewish school. Yeah, and uh, it's still something that I'm. You know, I I was a you know in college for a little. I was a philosophy student at the uh, Jewish Theological Seminary. And, okay. you know, and then, of course, again, you know, studying Islamic law. And that kind of, I was always interested in in religion and uh, and in philosophy. And I think it was just something that, you know, was always um, it's it really, I think, forms the basis of a lot of what I try to deal with lyrically in the song, you know, in the songs. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I've noticed that that happens with with a lot of uh not necessarily the horns, but the biblical references and influences in, in a lot of Americana acts. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. It's just that a lot of those guys are actually Christians and there's not so many of us Jews. That's true. That's <laughs> a good... Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen. <laughs> and, yeah, you, you know what? Those are Kinky Friedman and the Texas Jew boys. Yeah. <laughs> One of these days, somebody's going to know those guys too. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, but it's funny because I hear, you hear it in, in, in stuff like, anything by david eugene edwards uh and yeah, all that. yeah and that's what i like is that musically i i can hear some like 16 horsepower which i've loved forever oh yeah but yeah it's not as fire and brimstone because he gets a little intense right. yours yeah your music can be more listenable than than david's sometimes sometimes he goes but, a little intense yeah you know it's i think it's a fun it's probably a difference between it's probably a difference between a really like you know, Christian approach, I guess. I don't, I, cause I, I've thought about exactly what you're saying. You know, uh, Christians, I think especially, and I'm not saying anything negative and I hope, you know, nobody takes offense to this. I'm just, I'm just offering my own observation. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of, a lot of people that are writing from a Christian perspective, especially when they're coming, you know, maybe from the South in Baptist culture, white Baptist culture, there's a lot of, there is a lot of fire and brimstone, Yeah, which is not, you know, it's not there in the Jewish thing. You know, the Jewish thing is like, uh, what's the question? What is this? What is, what is this even supposed to mean? Right. Right. And, uh, I mean, it's originally, look, it's originally a, a Jewish book, right? Yeah. And I think that's more the, you know, it's, um, what should I say? You know, the name, the name Israel, you know, it means like, you know, wrestling with God. Right. Okay. So, that's, I think, really what the thing is more than fire and brimstone from a Jewish perspective. It's like, 
you know, I'm really just trying to figure this out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, I'm res- I'm wrestling over here. Okay. Right. It's a question. That's, it's all a big. It's all a big question. That's really interesting because, like you said, with 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 a lot of the fundamental uh, approach to Christianity, which which I know. In in seeing some documentaries, because I'm a huge David Eugene Edwards fan. In fact, today, yeah. the album he just did with uh, oh, Alexander Haka, I ordered just came in. So Alexander Haka, former podcast guest. Oh, is that very good? Yeah. Um, nice, nice. He, uh, so David did a, an album with him called Risha, and it's really interesting. But uh, I'm a huge fan of his, and it, it's, it's weird to be a huge fan of somebody that not too many people know about, I guess. Because sure. anything that pops up that they do, you're just like, I've got to get it. I've got to find it. And so I saw some documentaries, and I remember he had mentioned in one that his grandfather, I think, was this real fundamentalist fire and brimstone preacher that really, really seeped its way into his core. And that, yeah. Yeah. And that comes out in a lot of his, his work. In I'm fact, sure. when Woven Hand came around here in March, I was able to get uh, media passes for the, one of the blogs I shoot for, and I was able to... to sh- take some pretty intense photos of him. He's, I mean, he's just that intense live too. So. Right, 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 right. And I imagine your shows, I imagine your shows tend to be a little more fun. I, you know, I don't know. I always think like, you know, it's funny because people always are like, uh, you're a musician. You should come play it. We're doing some event. You should come play. And I'm like, you know, this, my songs deal with some pretty dark, subject matter i i think if you get me people will uh probably leave <laughs> you probably don't want you probably want to consider somebody else it's not really background music you know but yeah uh, that's true but i but it is like no it's in in all seriousness when i used to uh you know when i was doing it myself years ago um and it was a kind of anti-folk show mm. you know there was a lot of there were a lot of jokes there was a lot of irreverent humor there was like a lot of you know, silly kind of songs. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and it was also serious. I mean, I was talking about anti-racism and, you know, and I mean, you know, these kind of things and, and, uh, gay marriage and all this, you know, yeah. uh, support for that. And, and, and so it was, it was serious and funny and irreverent and, or trying to be funny. I, you know, that's in the eye of the beholder. I right. Guess. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was, I, you know, I, I think it was an entertaining show. It definitely offended some people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which may it's supposed to, maybe. Yeah, it's like if you don't if you don't break something, you're not doing it right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but that's yeah, that's what the show was, and you know, and I still try to be. Um, I still like to communicate with the audience and to and to share something that I hope they'll find you know, funny and that I hope they'll find, um, you know, sort of touching, I guess on a spiritual level, there's not the right word for it. Touching's a silly word, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I want people to like, I, I want, you know, it, look, it, hopefully people f- feel like they didn't waste their time coming to see me. Okay. Yeah. Like they come out of that and they're like, okay, well I, you know, I feel like, I feel like somehow, um, this was a really worthwhile, you know, evening for me to come out and see this right. jackass on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you started writing again, you, you you've released. Well, you're about to release your fourth album. 
Uh, and, fourth album of the like, yeah, since I started, I think overall it's like eleventh or, but it's the fourth since I started doing this whole thing again. Yeah, and <laughs> what I liked, and and tell me if tell me if I'm wrong because I think I, I noticed this is that the CD and E and LP releases have different artwork. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, that is yeah. so awesome. I absolutely love w when artists will do that. Yeah. I can't, you know, I can't remember, but it, it, it seems like, oh, you know what? There was a, there was a Sonic Youth record. I can't remember which one it was. It was on C, like it was CD. I don't know what they did on the vinyl one because I never got the vinyl of it. But the CD had like, the, didn't have a booklet in it. It had like, everything was on separate cards. So you could make your own cover. Oh, and, cool. Um, I can't remember which record that was. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Anyway. And, um, and I always thought, yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. So when, um, we did this, uh, new one, the come down lonesome, um, oh, I was also really interested in, you know, the old black sparrow press, uh, books. It was like Charles Bukowski and that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wanda, Wanda Coleman and, and Andre Krzyzewski, those kind of writers. And they were on this this, uh, they were at this publishing company called Black Sparrow Press. Okay. And Black Sparrow went out of business, you know, ages ago at this point. But I was a collector of those books when I heard they were going out of business because the, the covers, the co I liked those writers, first of all, but the, but the, the, the paper and the cardstock of the covers was so unlike anything I'd ever seen or felt or held before. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, yeah, if you should, you should try to, if you're ever in a, Wherever in bookstores again, yeah. Um, yeah. go try to find like you know original edition Black Sparrow Press books. Oh, I will. And I always thought, man, I'd love to do a a record um, that has that kind of feel. You know, it's something like I I want to hold this like you know you're giving somebody like a a piece of music. Okay, great, but you want to. Like if if you can if it can operate on a lot of different levels, a lot of different kinds of levels of experience, you know, all the better. So I want to give them something that's like nice to hold, you know. And so I met a guy that's like, oh yeah, I know how to, I know where to get that that card stock. Oh and cool! I said, let's do it. <laughs> hey, why not? And, and yeah. the, the artwork is awesome because, you know, like we've mentioned a few times, the music is kind of folksy americana yeah but it's also i mean you, you've got a healthy dose there especially on the new album of some sonic youth space needle kind of sure. crazy yeah. noise scapes and it's i I, which I absolutely adore i love that stuff thanks 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 but the artwork thanks. is is really cool the photographs specifically are the old daguerreotype tintype kind of uh look to them which yeah i, yeah. I being a, a photographer i absolutely love that stuff oh yeah 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 so i i i love your artwork but well thank you thank you and, yeah there uh, was a guy uh named alan barnes you'll appreciate this because you're a photographer this guy named alan barnes who i got in touch with at some point years ago this is some of the photographs we used he I think he teaches photography at UCLA or I forget somewhere in California. Okay. Anyway, he, he's like, how about we, we shoot some photos on this, you know, old equipment from the 1870s. Wow. So I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and, uh, and it was, you, so you know, this stuff works. I mean, we, we were shooting 
like two plates at a time. Yeah. And then he had to go develop them right away. Yep. And so every, every two photographs took like, you know, 15, 20 minutes to do. So in the course of a whole day, you know, like eight hours or something crazy, you know, we got like, you know, 16 photographs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's not, that's how they used to have to do it. Yeah. And you, you you've got to be sit- sitting there usually uh, with a brace on because you have yeah, to be you still. Gotta, you can't move. You can't move. So, yeah. Yeah, so you've got to be posed and sitting there completely still, which is why you, you see some of these old photographs have some, some of the subject matter, uh, the, the people on them have these weird ghost images or, or yeah. their eyes yeah. look blank. You know, they may have blinked a couple of times while they're, exactly. while they're doing it. And it just, their eyes look white and it's just, you get this really creepy effect. They look, they look totally intense. Yeah. You know, in a way that it'd be like people now try to look like that. And, uh, you know, people will try to like, you know, be all intense in photographs and, and they just look like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. It looks a little silly. Yeah. But, you know, the way that those old cameras worked, I mean, that's the, it made the people look, look super serious. Oh, so yeah. You, you can't, there's no, I don't think there's any way, they don't make like a plug-in for, uh, you know, for that, for, for digital think, photography. Well, the you thing just is, have to sit there for that long. Well, well, and the thing is, if you think about it, one of the reasons everybody looks so intense is because if you're taking a, a photograph and you have to sit still for seven to ten minutes you can't hold a smile for that long i know right exactly so you've just got to <laughs> kind of stand there yeah. looking kind of dour really <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly i know it was, it was pretty wild so the new and I, it, I was really interested too one last thing which yeah, yeah. blows me away since we're mentioning it i asked him i said so what did these guys do back you know you're telling me this camera's from the 1870s all this equipment what did these guys do you know, you see these Matthew Brady's photographs from the American Civil War. Yeah. You know, and he said, yeah, he had to take in a wagon, you know, thousands and thousands of gallons worth of chemicals. Yeah. You know, weigh like thousands of pounds, dragging them all up and down these bumpy roads all over, you know, all over uh, America. And then a wagon that was a dark room. Yeah. You know, had to be, had to be impervious to light. And, um, Man, that's freaking! I that's dedication. Like, it, you know, it really is. I mean, that and, guy has to really want to take those photographs. <laughs> and it was, and it was a new medium back then too. It, it yeah, was, exactly. It was, you know, it that was tech back then. Yeah, no, exactly. And if you think about it, the development in, in photochemicals up until really the the emergence of digital was amazing. It because you, you know those the chemicals to develop silver. You know yeah. those enormous silver yeah. plates is is very caustic. That's chaos. Absolutely, you don't want to come into contact with that stuff. I'll tell you a weird story. I had a, a one of my favorite teachers at RIT was a guy named Tom Perez. Yeah, amazing photographer, great guy. But mm-hmm. we you'd have to use tongs. So when you when you put a uh, print in in all the chemicals, you're supposed to use yeah. tongs, wooden tongs with these plastic ends, and you dip it yeah. in, you let it sit there, and you move it around to the each chemical. Yeah, Tom for years was like, ah, you don't need to do that, and <laughs> we just use his hands, oh, and man. it got to the point. And and you you think about safety regulations, you know, nowadays even you know this was like ninety one, ninety two, 
by that point, you know, the chemicals were still a lot safer than they were back in 1860-something. Yeah, oh, yeah. But oh, Tom yeah. had been doing that for so long that he couldn't sweat with, through his hands. Oh, God. Yeah, right. So, yeah. It, yeah. This yeah. stuff, imagine how horrible those chemicals had to be back then. Oh, man. You and they're sloshing to, around yeah. and then wagging. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Exactly. Yeah. So the and, new uh, album, let's, let, let's yeah. talk a little bit about the new album, Come Down Lonesome. Yeah. That, it is amazing. It seems to be a little more, uh, I don't want to say focused, but musically yeah. a little bit more focused than the other albums. It's a little heavier, sure. little sure. little more on a little more noise yeah. in it. And it yeah. less less of the horns and things. Oh yeah. 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 Is that was that a conscious choice or, or was it just that's the way the songs developed? Yeah, it was uh no it was it was definitely a conscious sort of a thing. It was it's interesting because first of all it was like uh, you know I, I sometimes go through these things you know I know all these old um, folk songs, right. you know, and well, after six years uh, of touring, you should. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, and I like to play them, you know, for myself and, and sometimes, uh, I like to record them. So I, you know, um, usually what, what happens is when I go into the studio with some guys and we go to record, you know, my songs, you know, we'll start out with just whatever pops into my head and it's usually could be could be any old song right okay. and then you know warren and and my wife gretchen and you know some of the guys i was playing with were like well why don't we you know that was cool why don't we record that too so you know then it's like okay let, yeah let's let's do that and you know but then i don't want to do those old folk songs in just kind of a straight kind of way that yeah you know everybody else has done them everybody else right so um my wife, you know, still tours the world in uh, this noise band called Universal Eyes. Uh, sometimes they're called Wolf Eyes and and uh, sometimes Universal Indians. And anyway, cool. they um, they go out and they play around and do that. So I, we thought, well, why don't we, you know, combine that? I mean, I've never really done the, the really noisy stuff like that. So, um, awesome. you know, let's just have everything going at, at the same time <laughs> and uh and and i like to play these these other wacky instruments too i always have like i think you know i do some electric kalimba on, on some of that stuff and yeah I'm you know gonna... i like to play these old banjos you know and hurdy-gurdy hurdy-gurdy how did you, you how did you start with the hurdy-gurdy i don't imagine that's something you just pick up <laughs> i'm gonna play the hurdy-gurdy today i know yeah exactly I, uh, I found one years ago and, um, I never really learned how to play it. I just, uh, you know, if you just crank the, crank the wheel on it, if it, like if, if people have never seen a hurdy gurdy, um, it's like a, how do you describe it? It's, it works similar to a violin, I guess, but yeah, cause it's like the strings are, the strings are like vibrated against by, but it's not a bow. It's like a wheel. So it's kind of a continuous the crank Sound. it's a crank yeah. yeah and you know it's like seven or eight strings and they're just all kind of going yeah you know like <laughs> yeah some, for, some are strings you can play some are drone strings exactly exactly so i i pretty much got it just you know to drone and um when you set it up there with like you know like an indian tambora like the the drone sitar mm -hmm. um 
and you know, or the Shruti box, which is the electronic Indian drone thing. Oh, um, it just makes a really intense, pretty dark, evil under <laughs> foundation, and yeah. you know, every, everything else. Just you know, you you hear all that, and it's like, oh man, we're we're in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it, and I love the feedback and all the noise that, that you do on the uh, Dylan cover. I I dreamed I saw Saint Augustine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That oh my gosh, that's the that sound that the the effect that you got. That's what I live for. That's the stuff that I oh, absolutely love. Thanks, thanks, thanks. It's noise and and I love feedback. describe why i don't know why i just love this slightly out of control sound of, of it sounds because it sounds like something's about to explode i hear you i know what you mean yes um <laughs> it's funny because because uh i i always like that stuff too you know i just haven't done that much of it but um but i always like to listen to it and uh somebody when i released it on on online i got like a angry letter from somebody that's like i don't i don't understand what's going on <laughs> something's wrong with the band you know it's there's all this like i don't think you recorded it right <laughs> and um like why you wouldn't do that why would you do that on purpose and, okay. and, and i'm like Man, I'm, I'm, <laughs> i wrote him oh back i'm like dude i'm super sorry i don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but we, we, we did we wanted it to be that way. Yeah. <laughs> go. I'll tell you what. Go buy Space Needle, Hum, yeah, right. yeah. Smashing Pumpkins. Exactly. Exactly. Some Sonic exactly. Youth. And Sonic, yeah. Right. Exactly. You know. And then maybe you'll figure that one out. Figure that out. Exactly. Right, yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, the album's really. Can't please everyone. No. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but the album's really cool because it, it's it kind of sounds like it could have come out in like '68. Oh, thanks. thanks, you know, thanks. It's got this yeah. really awesome bluesy, folksy stuff with, with the noise. And, and yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it's, I'm, I'm looking at the track listing right now. Death Don't Have No Mercy, Leaving Cheyenne. That, I, that oh, is thanks. awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Um, the water. Collins has it has that the feedback now okay that is that the song it sounds like there's a motorcycle gang meeting around in the background yeah it might be <laughs> that might be the one that I love <laughs> that it just it just sounds like there's a whole bunch of motorcycles going and it but it, and it works it sounds yeah, really yeah. cool well we had this this ba- well you know being in the formerly in the basketball business we had this this basketball court indoor basketball 
court, you know, just massive room. And so we went in there with a bunch of, do you know what, uh, bull roars? They're like, a I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. It's like a, it's like an Aboriginal Australian, you know, native Australian, like instrument, I guess you would call it an instrument. I don't know. I think it's really a communication device. It's basically like a, it's basically like a flat piece of wood on the end of a long string. And when you swing it around, it kind of makes this like. Okay. I know what that is. Yeah. I never knew what it was called. Yeah. So we, we, we went in the gym with like a bunch, couple of us had those. We went in there with a bunch of those and swung them around. And, um, that's just <laughs> another really screwed up, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's to be in that, in a big room like that, making that kind of noise is pretty intense. That's gotta be amazing. <laughs> that's You know, I'm I'm not a musician. I I play guitar on my own. I you know I I think in my entire life I've taken a grand total of like two months worth of guitar lessons. Yeah. But I love to make noise, and that's been one yeah. of my dreams is just get into a big room with a whole bunch of echo and yeah. just cr- turn my guitar all the way up and just feedback and make a whole bunch of noise. Right. Exactly. That's exactly. been my dream. Right? I know. <laughs> it's pretty, it's, it's uh, pretty cathartic. You know, it's pretty. Uh. It's, Kind of healing in its own sort of way. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Uh, my quest for noise is never stops. I, I no, live I with do. it, and it's always it's always around me. But <laughs> so, all right. With the covers, how did you pick the covers? Was there a reason that you picked certain covers on the album? Well, you know, I think it, I'm going to throw another log on the fire here. So come with me. For yeah, a minute. absolutely. Um, I. Uh, I think that um, we recorded a whole bunch of covers, really. Okay. You know, I don't even know, like, way more than what appears on the record. And, you know, hopefully those will see the light of day, too. And there's also even a whole other bunch of original songs oh, that we recorded that that didn't make the cut this time. But, you know, maybe those, those will see the light of day at some time as well. So, you know, I don't know how much we actually recorded, but it was it was a lot. And at first it was like, well, we'll make a double, we'll make a double record, man. We'll do, uh, you know, <laughs> songs in the key of life. We'll do the white album, yeah. you know, <laughs> we'll and I guess those are triple albums, but, um, oh, gosh, yeah. but we are like, yeah. And then, uh, and then Warren was like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, he and, and my wife kind of pared it down to, um, to their favorites and then they you know that was that was that and then they're like so what do you want it to be and and um and I, you know i my contribution was well i i really think it should be uh come down lonesome you know which is one of the original songs on there which yeah. goes which is actually a old song of mine which goes way back to my alaska days oh really 
Yeah, I just never had done it before. You know, for, I don't for whatever reason. You oh, know, wow. I never had never put it on a record before, but I always really liked it, and it just you know, um, and I'm like, maybe it's time to uh, give that one the. You know, it's like twenty. It's like a twenty-year-old song at this point. Maybe it's time for it to see the light of day. Yeah, give it its due. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Now, yeah. you, on a couple albums, you also uh, you've written a few. So- well, you, you performed, written a few songs that all have a, the theme of washing your hands in muddy water. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's so? Yeah. What's behind that? Is there anything behind that, or is it just a, a theme that that resonates with you somehow? Well, I always liked that um, that old charlie rich song uh, wash my hands in muddy water which is the one that that we cover on this uh album yeah i think elvis presley might have done it too i can't remember but i heard the charlie rich version and there were a couple other people that covered it in any event you know i felt like I'm, I'm not gonna play it like charlie rich so i we i slowed it way down it was just one of those things that we did while the microphones were on and it sounded you know it sounded pretty good i think that the you know, I mean, here's the, here, here, I guess, is the thing, the way I would say, you know, about washing your hands in muddy water today, you know, um, and this is, again, this is just my opinion as a guy that's, you know, slept under every important bridge in this country. Right. <laughs> um, you know, there's such a, we're, we're living in a time where we, we expect some kind of, or we demand some kind of like ideological purity, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our leaders or whomever, and I'm not even, you know, discussing politics or the, or <laughs> the guy who sits in the Oval Office. Right. But um, I'm just saying that, you know, we, we, we expect that everybody um, has to be totally perfect in the, um, in the things they stand for and the life that they've led. And, you know, it's like there's some kind of ideological litmus test that we want to measure everybody up against. And, you know, we should be critical for sure. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be, you know, we should, we you absolutely have to hold people accountable. Yeah, exactly. But the, you know, and there's no, that that's, that's non-negotiable as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, we're all living in the same, screwed up world and if we're here long enough you know we're going to be covered with a little dirt right yep there's just no way around that and if and if you're looking for somebody that's um that's ideologically pure uh you know you're never gonna i hate to break it to you but you're (laughs) never gonna find i couldn't agree with you more and um and that's that's just what it is I'm, i'm not saying that you should go out there and try to find trouble therefore you shouldn't you should Try to keep your hands clean as best you can, but but don't worry if you get it a little bit dirty. Just you know, and and def- and definitely don't worry about if the other guy's hands are a little bit dirty because I mean, what do you expect? Exactly. Um, that I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. And and I like that as a closer on the album because it's it's very reflective closer instead of a big noisy bombastic statement. It's it's more introspective. Right, right. Which, yeah, which yeah. I love that. I love, I love the way. I love that the album closes in that fashion. Thank you, thank you, so, thank you. So, are you, st- are you still a big basketball fan? Still a big basketball fan. You know, I still, I still sit at the end of the Pistons bench. You know, uh, this was uh, nice. My, I'm trying to think. This was this last season, which got cut short. Of course, was my 
40, I think 45th or 46th season sitting on the Pistons bench. Wow. So, you know, I still haven't, they still won't put me in a game. (laughs) You know, I I asked coach Casey, I said, you know, I, I really think I could be a starting power forward in today's NBA. And, um, (laughs) shakes his head. (laughs) Maybe Uh, today's uh, NBA after it's canceled. Well, maybe now. Yeah. If the other guys don't want to play, I mean, uh, (laughs) I heard a really cool, uh, idea and I don't know who put it forth. And I think they were actually serious about this. And since they cut the season short, they were going to actually do competitive horse. It really, yeah, right. like like That's some of the funny. some of the NBA stars, they were gonna they're gonna connect kind of like you and I are that. online, and they're gonna play horse. Oh, that's amazing! But I hadn't heard that one. That's I don't cool. think that, that I, I mean, obviously that never happened, but I think that would have been a great. I would have oh, watched yeah, it. Oh yeah, that'd be great. I would watch that for sure. Absolutely, I'd I mean, watch that for sure. That would have been amazing. All right, so, and I have one one question. This is about something off the album Crows, and this is kind of sure. weird because I was listening to this, and the song, and they never saw him coming. Oh yeah, great yeah. song. And yes. you mentioned, um, let me. Yeah, I'm trying to. I wrote it down. Okay, you mentioned Dothan. On the shoulders of Dothan, the grave assembly whispered. Oh, Dothan, yeah. Now, is, is that the biblical Dothan or is that the Alabama Dothan? That's the biblical Dothan. Okay. I mean, in, in in Hebrew, it would be, you know, it would be, you know, most people pronounce it Dothan or, you know, or Dothan. But okay. it's, uh, but yeah, it, it has to do with, um, and it's a play, you know, it's a, it's a place in Israel, but, um, but it had, it had the name of it in Hebrew suggests like a place of judgment, a place of where justice is executed sort of. Okay. And, and you know, the brothers like Joseph's brothers, you know, meet him there and that's where they throw him in the pit. Right. 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 And, uh, yeah, so that's what that, you know, it's not a good, it's not a particularly good name for a place. No, well, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because it, it's what struck me was that I, I lived about 30 minutes west of Dothan, Alabama. No kidding. Right? Yeah. I've been through there. I've been through there. <laughs> so I, I used to live right off of Fort Rucker. So no kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. Cool. Right. Cool. Right outside of Daleville. So uh, we used to yeah. go to Dothan for everything because there's nothing else. Well, I used to sleep in my van in Phoenix City, Alabama. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I know. With Phoenix, with no in, O. Yeah, with no O, exactly. <laughs> That's... I, used to play at, uh, I used to play at the loft in Columbus, Georgia, and then I'd go over to Phoenix where there was, I think, some kind of forest or something and go camp out over oh, there. Oh, yeah. Phoenix City, the only town in Alabama on Eastern Time. I guess that's right. Yep. I guess that's because it's so because it's so. I think it was it's so close yeah. to Columbus or something that it was um, right. So they wanted to keep it right. Yeah. That's that's the city. Yes, yeah, because yeah. a lot of people would commute from one to the other for work, so they just they kept they they switched over to Eastern Time. It's really weird. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah, I used to have, I used to be in sales down there, so I would have to travel all over the state, and uh, yeah, you learn stupid There's stuff like places, that. 
There's some nice places down there. Oh yeah, yeah. It's hot down there. Hot as hell. That's one reason. Sure. One reason why, well, work, steady work yeah. was actually the reason I ended up moving up to Virginia. But right, but right. Uh, still, we still have family down there. So yeah. Now, yeah. When things open up, are you are you gonna tour to support the album at all? I don't or know. Was, you know, was six straight years enough for you? Uh, well, you know, I definitely. Well, it's funny that you've mentioned that because, uh, to be honest, I really um, the part of it that I always always miss is. I really do like being up in front of people. I really like performing and hopefully giving them a nice show, a nice evening. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, but, but one of the problems is, is that, you know, cause I tell stories, I tell jokes and whatever, and I don't develop those on a nightly basis. I got to do it in front of a different crowd every night, which is why I, which I think why I was on, you know, I had to be bouncing around so much in the old days. And, um, you know, my life doesn't really allow for me to, do that anymore yeah on the other hand on the other hand i definitely don't feel like i missed anything i mean i played every damn place that there is (laughs) yeah (laughs) six years yeah yeah so i feel i feel pretty good about it but look if somebody out there was like we would totally pay you a million dollars to go (laughs) tour all over england again you know i would i would do it in a heartbeat i would do it too man there's places i would love to go i mean i I miss playing in New Orleans. I miss, you know, there's a lot of places I miss. Oh, man. Well, it, if you ever get down to, to the D.C. area for a, a show, a tour, or yeah. a Wizards game, yeah, let me know. Sure. We, we got to meet up. For sure. Uh, for sure. My, my boys were devastated that, speaking of the Wizards, my boys were st- devastated that the great Wes Unseld, passed recently yeah. he led the led the washington bullets to a championship in the mid 70s yeah and um you know some of the old pistons guys that are you know that live around us and we still see they're always amazed they're like your kids know who wes unseld is and i'm like well i mean what do you expect yeah you're basketball <laughs> family man come on yeah basketball family <laughs> i wish they would go back to the bullets i, I thought that was a great name it was and a good name it was a good name yeah, very yeah. history better than the wizards yeah, I prefer the bullets. Oh, man. Well, I prefer the bullets. Well, well all right. I, get I, it. I have kept you for quite a while, man, and I want to thank you so much for well, your thank time. You. How can thank people you. pick up the album? Um, yeah, if they if they want to uh, if they want to get it, it's you know on um, Spotify and SoundCloud and all the usual places, and um, and I think that uh, you know there's they can get it off the website too, which is just EthanDanielDavidson.com. Is there a social media presence that they can follow you on? Yeah, there's like uh, Facebook and that, and um, you know, it's uh, which is just Ethan Daniel Davidson. They can find me on on uh, Facebook, and uh, you know, it's funny because I guess like the the uh, the younger folks uh, don't use Facebook so much anymore, yeah. and I barely use the telephone to be honest. I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty. Uh, <laughs> I'm a face-to-face person. I don't use, you know, computers or yeah so much. So, so this 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 COVID thing's been a and definitely an adjustment for me because oh gosh I would have come down to see you otherwise. <laughs> we could have had a bonfire in the backyard. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah, <laughs> I've, time. I was actually burning stuff this weekend. We could have just kept it going. Could have <laughs> kept it going. <laughs> <laughs> Grab a beer, shoot some stories. That's it, man. That's it. I'm telling you, I would I'd love to have you back on. I'll hear some, maybe hear some more stories of, of yeah. the six year tour. Um, For sure.
if there's if you wanted to talk old blues or anything else we can do that we let can me talk know. about we could talk about building a boat and sailing the Yukon River we could talk about the Oh Detroit wow! Pistons. We can talk. <laughs> man, we yeah. we need to we do talk it. about how to cut down trees in the Arctic if you need to heat your house. That oh, <laughs> see, I could do a whole other hour with yeah. you just on your your time in Alaska. Yeah, yeah. Oh Alaska man, was, Alaska was cool. All right, we will we'll definitely have to work on that. For sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all your time. This has been a blast. It's been great nope. getting to know you. Yeah, it's good to know get to know you too. Thanks for everything. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.